Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Seventh Man Podcast. I'm Will Beverina. I'm the chief editor of Dimer2K.com. And I'm Len, the senior analyst here at Dimer2K.com. Today, we do not have Josiah Cohen with us, which is a podcast first, actually, for the Seventh Man Pod. First time Josiah has not been on. Um, he couldn't make it, which is unfortunate. Um, but the good news is that for the second time ever on this podcast, we have a very special guest. If you're involved in 2K League Twitter, then you certainly know this guy. It is the one, the only, Harris Rubenstein, a.k.a. Sportstein on Twitter. Harris, how are you doing, man? I'm good. And and just for the record, we, we don't need Josiah, all right? You yeah. know, he he's too cool for us now. Yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. Well, I, I think he's just a slacker, but, I mean, you know, <laughs> he probably could have made it. Yeah. Just kind of blew us off. He's... Look, trying to balance college and a job. Yeah, like, but... We've all been there. Do, do better. All right. Come on. Do better. <laughs> now, you're on a, Harris, you're kind of on, I don't, I don't know what, I'm not really sure what to call it, but like technically you're not working for the league right now, but you will be back in February, correct? Correct. So the way that my contract was set up, um, it's 10 months on, two months off. Uh, it's just the way that they do business. It is what it is. Uh, the state of New Jersey is kind of weird like that. And then, um, so, uh, my contract got cut two months early just so I can kind of fit into the league plans a little bit better. Uh, so the draft is in late February and I'll be going back February 3rd. So I was originally going to miss out on February and March, which obviously doesn't make a lot of sense. Right. So now December and January. I'm off. December was great. It was nice to rest, relax at the holidays. And in January, I've completely lost my mind. So yeah, we're doing okay. I'm, I'm bridging on the, you know, the edge of insanity here from boredom. <laughs> so I need to start working again. My girlfriend's going to kill me. <laughs> yeah. Well, so like your work with the league, you do like, you know, you help with the social media channels and everything and, and content. So, um, why don't you tell us a bit, you know, exactly what you do? And, you know, sure. what's been like working for the league so far? So uh, the the common misconception is that I, I work for the 2K League. Uh, I actually don't. So I work for the NBA. Uh, I work in their social and digital uh, publishing department. So really anything that gets published on the Internet runs through me. Uh, all the locked in stuff, uh, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, everything uh, I usually have a hand in and. Uh, it's, it's fun. It allows you to kind of have a, a little bit of creative control. The NBA is good about that, making sure that, you know, there's a good overarching support system around you and kind of guidelines for what you're supposed to do. And then you can kind of fit your, your personal flair and style into there as you see fit, obviously in the, uh, the arches of like a social voice and a, a social plan. Um, but I, I kind of got into this on a whim. You know, I, I was an on air host in Dallas, Texas covering the NBA, uh, for a company called Chat Sports. It's really just online, mostly YouTube, Facebook Live. Uh, and it was a lot of fun. And until a couple months, until about 17 or 18 months in, and the job got really demanding and it just wasn't a healthy work environment. So I left, tried to do the freelancer YouTube thing, wasn't great at it. Uh, applied for a job with the 2K League because I thought it looked awesome. And, you know, here we are. It's been, it's been a wild couple. I can't even believe it hasn't even been a year yet since I got hired. Uh, so. Yeah, it's been a whirlwind for sure. Yeah, well, I mean, I'd say, you know, in that less than a year, you've integrated yourself pretty well into the 2K community, which isn't always easy. Um, but what have your impressions been so far 
of this community. A lot of people uh, say a lot of different things about the community. What do you think about mm-hmm. it? You know, I, I I like to keep things kind of on the you know the the more positive spectrum of it. You know, but it's tough, man. It, it's a it's a tough community, and it's tough to gain trust. Is really what it is. You know, they it, it's welcoming people like you. You know, they respect hard work. But in terms of developing trust, especially if you're not a player, it's difficult. And I think it's good because that way you can kind of weed out you know uh, biases and you know people who are in here to make a quick buck, like. It's it's an easy way to sort people out, but uh, I kind of realized that when I was working for the league that I had a real opportunity to connect with people because it's such a personal league, it's such an intimate league. You're around these guys all the time. You're talking to them. You're collecting stories, and you know a lot of them are my age. And I'm not I'm not saying like I joined the league to like make a bunch of cool gamer buddies, but you know it it was easy to create relationships. And you know we all like the same things. We all like basketball. We all like video games. And it was a pretty natural transition for me, uh, and I've I've had a great time with it. You know, especially coming from the media side of it, and now working for a league and kind of seeing those dynamics and the the power structure that comes with it. It's it's a really fascinating experience. And Twitter is easy. You know, if if you just kind of need to rile people up, create some easy content, you you can just kind of go for it. Oh, so yeah. you know, developing that trust was hard. Yeah. So, is there anything that's like kind of jumped out at you as to what the community is like? Something you were like. That's a little weird, like the way the community does this. We're like, you know, it, it's kind of um, cool that they do this. I'll I'll, st- I'll do a good and I'll do a bad. Sure. Uh, the the good one is that they love analytical content. Um, it, it's underrated. They're not vocal, but there's a lot of stat based people and a lot of people who love numbers in this community that I I was blown away by. Uh, you know, the two K lab stuff, and it's really extended into most of the franchises in the two K league. A lot of the players are really into it too. Uh, I know that uh, uh, Dat Boy Shots is like really, really deep into analytics, which is great to hear. So that was a surprise. And and when I kind of got myself into it, uh, league based, people were so welcoming with it. They were like, "Oh wow, what do you got?" And that was fun. Uh, the bad part is, is that they don't. Pe- th- this community doesn't support each other really great. They always seem to be there, ready to kind of tear people down rather than raise them up and. You know, I think it's such a, a competitive environment and there's so many different backgrounds in this community that it's kind of tough to keep everybody on the same page. But I'd love to see a little bit more of that. I'd love to see a little bit more of rooting for success rather than, you know, waiting for someone to fail. Yeah. It's kind of my, my name. Yeah. And th- you know, that, that gets talked about a lot. And it's kind of a, in this community, everyone kind of views each other as like competition, which, you know, I can understand because like the NBA 2K League is, so exclusive and it should be exclusive mm-hmm. it should be really hard to get in the nba 2k league because you want the best players in there so when everyone's kind of viewing each other as like competitors i think it brings out kind of a lot of that you know trying to to tear people down and and the beauty of this league you know outside of just its diversity which which i'm sure we'll get to later the, the beauty of this league is the personal relationships between the players and seeing them interact on stage, whether friendly or, or, you know, as adversaries, you know, there, there's some real rivalries in this community that have, you know, lasted for, for years on end. And it's been really fun kind of sharing those stories and going into a lot of it. But yeah, just seeing how many of these guys play together in the offseason, seeing them interact when, you know, we're, uh, we're in Vegas and Orlando and kind of seeing how they, uh, you know, to talk to each other and how friendly they are. It, it really is a cool thing to see. Uh, and, and that, that's what you want more of. And 
I wish that the the players would be a little bit more welcoming to the guys trying to get into the league. I feel like it's almost this, not like a hazing, but it's like, oh, right of passage. It's got to be tough for you. But, you know, it's so new. So at this point, we're really just making observations over something that's happened over the past 20 months. The next 20 could be completely different. So, you know, it's important to keep that kind of mindset as yeah, well. Yeah, you know, it's a good point about like kind of the in real life interactions are so much different than the Twitter interactions because I've been to a few mm-hmm. events and like, you know, people I, I've interacted with like just a little bit on Twitter, you know, they're like super friendly when they like know who I am. And I'm just like, oh my God, like, mm-hmm. okay, this is, this is a lot different than my Twitter experience yeah. when like I'm actually sitting here like face to face talking with people. Oh, I hope, I hope that wasn't the way it was with me. I, I like to think that my per- perennial kind of awkwardness always comes through my social no. media. So. <laughs> no, no. I mean, like, I, I mean, um, we, we first met at the finals. And, you know, it's mm-hmm. like you see a lot of people there, even like players who who are involved in the game are there just to support. And obviously, you know, a lot of like the parents and everything. And so, um, yeah, you know, it, it's it's really interesting how um, a lot of kind of the aggression seems to just kind of, you know, sizzle out when when people are actually face to face. I think we're going to see a little bit less of that this year too, uh, which makes me sad because I love it. You know, I, I love the fire on stage and the yelling at people. I think you'll still have certain players doing it, but I, I don't think you're going to have an income rookie class besides maybe Mr. Slaughter, who's just a madman. But you, I think you're going to have a rookie class that really isn't going to vibe with that. That might think they're a little bit too cool for it. Not, not, not like just going against them or anything like saying that like to hold it against them. But, you know, they've seen two, two years in the league. And I think they've noticed that you kind of want that calm, cool demeanor. You you want to have your bear to be side where, you know, you, you want to get up and yell at people, but you really have to have finals bear where he was just locked in the entire time and didn't say a word to anyone. So I think I think the on stage trash talking will change a lot the next couple of years, which, you know, can be good, can be bad, but it, it's not gonna be the same it was the first two years. Yeah, I mean just- like Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Go ahead, Len. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, because it's like super interesting because uh, with Dave Fry, he made like a tweet a couple days ago about, oh, uh, he's kind of past that because it's kind of, you know, watered down now since everyone's like looking to do it now. But I think that's like a mm-hmm. uh, a, a good selling point for this eSport. I think it kind of uh, integrates both the feeling from actual sports into like the virtual world, where it's like with other eSports like CSGO, Overwatch and stuff, you don't see these guys getting up on stage and like screaming at each other. Um, no. So I, 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 I do like that it's, uh, you know, with circle stage and all that, that it's still like a, a aspect uh, in the league. But yeah, I mean, it will be interesting to see if it, if it dies down at all. Um, but I, I mean, I think it's a really interesting part of the, of the league as a whole. So the the one thing I wanted to actually point out about that too, um, you know, as someone who, who spends a lot of their time, you know, on social media, looking at this league and all that, you know, the first like five weeks of the season last year, everybody was getting up all the time. And uh, there were a couple weeks in there. It was like week four, week five and week six where all of a sudden we there was just a lot of negative comments on social media about the guys getting up and yelling. Uh, I, I don't know what it was. It was really weird. And and almost instantaneously, I saw it slow down and almost stop. Um, and I think that that's one of the – look, we live in a very digital age. We live in an age that social media dominates everything, especially you know in esports. And I think that's one of the, the great risks that you take with basing so much of your league off of social media is that – you know, the guys are always on it. They see everything. 
And if they see something that they think is affecting their personal brand or it comes off as them not being cool, I put in quotation marks, then, you know, it's going to affect it. So I really wonder how it's going to be this year. And um, I've seen what the new stage looks like. It, it, it looks beautiful. So I'm hoping that brings it out of them. It, it's an incredible oh, arena. Shout out to TJ Canty. I, I, I'm not going to say what it looks like <laughs> anything. I'm just going to say he is an absolute goddamn maestro. <laughs> And I can't wait for you for I haven't I haven't seen it in person. I've just seen a sketch of it. it it's beautiful. That man that man is a magician. I can't wait to see what the the stage looks like huh. this year. That's interesting. He, he's in, he he's so he TJ Canty is a guy in the league that nobody knows about. He runs the ship. He he is he's the production manager. He puts together the stage. He's the one first one in, last one out. TJ Canty's that guy. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of his. He, he's such a cool All right. Dude. Shout out TJ Canty. I'm, yeah, I'm TJ looking Canty, forward to that yeah. new stage. Um, yeah. is it, it's so like... I, I, I'm bouncing out me, hopefully not getting in trouble for saying there's going to be a new stage. <laughs> with exceedingly right. com- complimenting the guy making the new all right, stage. All right. I, ask, I, I was about to ask some questions, but I, I won't ask any more questions about it. No, I'll, I'll, keep, I'll keep that confidential, but I will say it's, it's dope. And I, I hope that it gets... Uh, I, I think it's going to put a ton of energy into the into the sport again this year. I can't yeah, wait. That's good. That's good. Um, the, the trash talking thing you were, you were talking about is interesting, both with the, uh, you're talking about like the, the, you know, people seeing players, seeing themselves as a brand. And if they see people making comments on social media, that was my first thought is like, you know, guys have um, certain guys have like kind of built some of their brands on being big trash talkers. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're thinking like Mel East, Ramo, Dayfry, you know, those guys have, you know, they're, they're still good players. And they've done other things to build their brands, but that's, you know, kind of part of their brand. And so it, it you definitely mm-hmm. know that um, players are hyper aware of what's said about them, like at all times. Right. Oh, so, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much convinced that most of them have google search alerts on their names like holy cow like instantly the second that their name is tweeted they're they're in there they're on it they're getting tagged or they're already commenting it it it's oh i'm telling you like they they take screenshots of our articles they send them to us like a year later um they they do not forget anything that's blocked you a couple times you know (laughs) len has been I haven't Len been blocked been yet. Blocked. That's the good news. Len has been blocked. I have a I couple think blocks. Been blocked. Oh my god. Ay, ay, ay. But to to the brand thing, Will, it's like I think what you're gonna see this year is kind of just like a scale down. Like the, the the guys who get up and yell Walnut Mama, Bear, Ramo, those guys are gonna do it. But everyone else under them is gonna kind of take a step down. So the guys who would usually do it might not do it as much anymore, and the guys who might not do it much anyway aren't gonna do it. I think you're just going to see kind of a step down from it. But then when the tournaments come, that's when you're going to start seeing it ramped up. I think the players through two seasons now really understand what an opportunity those tournaments are. And that's where they're going to let it loose. And I love that because it just, it adds an extra intensity to those matches. Yeah. So I, I want to ask you about the tournament since you bring it up. The players put a lot of weight into those in season tournaments. And, and obviously, mm-hmm. you know, if I was a player, I would too, because you can win a lot of money and that's kind of the big part of it um yeah but like i don't place nearly as much weight into those tournaments as the players seem to like it, it, it you should should i well you should the do you know why because the tournaments create their own metas inside of them 
And that's where you realize how big they are. Like, for instance, you know, the, the Ramo was kind of on the post scoring build before the turn. And then he got on the post scoring build the turn and he brought him all the way to the finals. Like, you know, Malik is ice cold to start his rookie season. Like ice cold. All of a sudden the turn comes and he just catches fire and is the best sharp in the entire tournament and leads the hapless Knicks to the final four. Like, the, the turn is what flipped it for me. The tip off, I thought it was like, ah, you know, they're just a fun opening tournament. I, I got, I got flipped at the turn and at the ticket. I think I switched. I think I bet those for the ticket, but yeah, it, those tournaments should be taken seriously. They're, they're big time. I, I mean, I, yeah, I, I think I take them pretty serious too, but I think if you were to look at, uh, the Warrior season and the Sixer season and ask them, Hey, is there anything you would change? I think they would tra- uh, trade in those banners for a championship at the end yeah. of the year. Yes, yes and no, but they'll keep the money, yeah, right? Yeah, for sure, yeah. <laughs> like, they'll, they'll give you that, that big piece of metal that's heavy as all hell. That thing is heavy. They'll give you that thing back, but they'll keep, they'll keep the money. I'll, t- I'll tell you that much, man. Like, that's the thing about this esport that I love. It's still a bunch of mercenaries. It's just a bunch of guys out here trying to make some cash playing video games. It's, it's, it has a certain level of chaotic unorganization while also being really organized at the same time. Or disorganization, yeah, yeah, sorry. Unorganization sure. is not a word. Um, so it, it's cool that all these guys are still out here trying to make as much coin as humanly possible and, and really will just kind of stomp over anybody that gets in their way. Sometimes it can be their teammates, but they're there to make money. And it, it's a very kind of cutthroat kind of mentality that I, I really like versus other esports. Yeah. My, my thinking with the tournaments has always been like, I'll give a team a lot of credit. I'll, I'll put a lot of stock into like a really good tournament performance. If you make a run to a tournament finals, I'll put a lot of stock into that. You know, I'll, I'll give a team a lot of credit. Mm-hmm. If you lose in the first round, like I don't really think it matters that much, right? Like there's so much randomness right. that can happen in one game. Like Blazer 5, they've been first rounded in every tournament since last year or uh, season one's turn. And, mm-hmm. you know, a, a bit of a big deal is made out of that. But like, I mean... I don't really think it, it matters that much, except for in the playoffs, obviously. So, Will, I want, I want you to change your mindset on I'm going to give you a different okay. way to look at it. The tournaments are they're a representation of where the league is at that moment. There's only been six of them. But if you go back and look at those six, they're very indicative of where the league was at that point. Season one tip-off. 76ers come out. They already drafted the best team. They have the best 2K player probably in the world at that point in Radiant with the best coach. They win the, they win the tournament to start the league. Typical, seeing as now two years in, they're the winningest team in 2K league history. All of a sudden, season one, the turn. Guess who wins it? Blazer 5 Gaming, who at that point was easily the best team in the league, running over everyone. Walnut's dominating. Mama's dominating. Great point for that part of the league. And then all of a sudden, the ticket comes. The Knicks at that point are starting to get a little bit hot. Then they take down the turn championships and win the ticket. So that kind of shows you the story of the season for season one. Obviously, the Knicks go on to, to win the title. And then season two, same thing. We come into the year, meta change, no more five out. Guess who's back? Back again. It's Radiant, the 76ers GC. Of course, they're going to win the tip off again. They're probably the best roster coming in from last season. Then the story of the Warriors begins and their weird kind of manipulation of the schedule, winning two tournaments, showing that, you know, they have five of the most talented players in the entire league, but the regular season results are so strange. 
And that is what defines the playoffs because they've all of a sudden kicked out a very deserving Magic team, a very deserving Grizz Gaming team, and you know they, they win a first-round matchup again against the Blazers. So consider those as just they are where the league is at that point from a storybook standpoint. They're like chapters of the league. You you can't have the league without them, but they aren't nearly as important as the final chapter. Okay, I, I, yeah, that's that's a pretty good. That yeah, like it's like a it's like a snapshot of like the state of the league exactly at that very moment. Correct. Which, like, if we if we go into season three and the the seventy sixers win the tip off again, I, I wouldn't be that surprised. No. Would, would you be that surprised? No, not, not at all. Exactly. They're they're coming into the you know season three is the most winning team in two K league history. And we're one game away from winning a finals. Of course, they're going to come into the tip off as easy favorites, no matter who won the title before. Yeah. I mean, uh, see, I don't know even then if like I'll still uh, like I, I, I try to think in my mind, like what's like the balance of it. Right. So like if you win, you know, three, if some team wins three banners in a, in a season, they win the whole thing, but then they don't win the finals what's the better season there like where does like kind of the scale begin to tip when it comes to the tournaments versus playoff and regular season success is is kind of it's who wins it it it, it it's who wins straight up like when, when you're kind of trying to judge these tournaments about like where we are like it, it's all about who wins and you know, Raymo, or excuse me, Dave Fry and I were talking about this about, you know, how Raymo ran through the ticket with that post scoring build and he got to the playoffs and didn't even use it. And they, you know, got swept out of the playoffs. Like the, the tournaments are a way to really just show who has the chops, man. Like those tournament environments are intense. And if you don't have an instinct for it, you're going to get blown the hell out. And, and that's the one thing. So. You know, I went to all three tournaments last year. The tip off was my first week of work. Uh, the turn I was in Vegas and the ticket I was in Orlando. The energy around those games is just different. It, it's, it's just different. The, the intensity, the stakes, the, 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 you know, everything. It, it's so much different. And, you know, when those guys win a title, having to persevere through all of that pressure and all of those games and, you know, you're, you know, we're in Las Vegas, you know, all the guys are going out partying, you know, doing their thing and they have to come in and play video games at a high level. You know, whoever was prepared showed that they were prepared and the Warriors were prepared. And, you know, for me, what really capped it off and kind of showed me the importance of these tournaments. And I, I said this on another podcast as well. Right after the Warriors won, I'm standing off to the left side of the stage, right? You know, I'm, I'm taking photos, whatever type at that point had been. Easily the best player the entire tournament. Like you guys remember yes. how good Type was during the, yeah. the turn, right? When he was in Vegas, he was insane. He knew he was the best player. His team knew he was the best player. He knew he was the MVP. The whole arena knew he was the MVP. He's smiling. He's throwing up W's. The first thing he does is hop off the stage and go hugs his mom right away. Beautiful moment. One of the best moments of the entire season because it represented a, a pinnacle for him. You know, tough upbringing. You know, a, a fourth round pick by the Warriors. They were awful in season one. And all of a sudden, season two, they come back and win the first ever tournament that we went on the road for. That meant something. And to see it mean something to him just made it mean more for everyone else. Yeah, I, I won't argue about like, you know, uh, the emotion and the excitement behind it. I was in the studio 
for the season one ticket, obviously where the Knicks made mm-hmm. the miracle run. Um, and that was, I mean, even like the first round of that where Kingsguard upset Blazer five, you know, that was like still considered one, one of the biggest upsets in 2K League history. And then obviously mm-hmm. what the Knicks did, I, I'm not going to deny, you know, like the excitement of it. Um, my, my question was always just like, you know, like what's, you know, how important is it in the grand scheme of things? And, you know, I, well, I, I realize it, I see it yeah, differently it, than a lot of people. Well, no, I know. It, it, it just it creates yeah. a dynamic uh, for the league in a lot of ways, too, that um, in, in esports, I think it's hard to create singular moments. You know, I'm not a fan of League of Legends. I'm not, I'm not huge on the, you know, the, those weird MMO games. Like, I'm, I'm not big on them. I play Hearthstone. That's it. That's the only esport I play. But, you know, for, for a league that is trying to create something around a sports game, you have to create moments that are similar to sports moments. So winning championships, winning playoff games and the midseason tournaments, they just kind of give the league extra ammo for dynamic moments and memorable things. And that, that's what's kind of important too. Like we can, you know, if think if there were no tournaments, all we would have to refer back to every single year is just the playoffs and finals, which is fine. But it's also not easy from an ammo standpoint. Cause when you're two years in, you've only had two finals. So you only have two things to talk about, but now you have eight things to talk about. So it just creates a little yeah, bit more. Yeah. Ammo. Yeah. And I, yeah, I see both sides. I think it's like, uh, you know, even seeing like, where the league will be at five years down the line and you look back, I mean, sports in general is like embracing the whole debate culture now, right? Where, you know, uh, you have the, the first take type shows and all that stuff. And I think, um, even to Will's point, it's like, okay, we look at it, uh, look at the history in five years and you say, uh, I am Adam the first won a championship in the first season and say CB 13 wins two banners every year. Who do you say had the more successful career? You know, so uh, I think it's just trying to find that um, that you know what that yeah that balance of of which you you know what championships or or tournament uh, victories you you value more. You know, but I I I love the example you gave with the whole um, you know chapters of where it is in the seasons. That that totally makes sense because yeah, it's goes to show Sixers. They, you know, they're always going to be that team that's going to figure it out before everyone else. And uh, then you see a team like the Warriors uh, find their own meta. And yeah, no, I loved both sides of that uh, whole spiel. Yeah, I I certainly won't deny. Definitely. The the tournaments have given like a lot of really iconic league moments. So they're they're definitely Mm -hmm. they're definitely uh, important. Um, So. Harris, you uh, you know, you weren't really part of the competitive 2K community before you joined the league, so like you, you, you kind <laughs> of have a fresh pair of eyes on things. Um, I want to ask you sure. if there's anything that like league teams or players do like on the court that like really frustrate you, or like things that you think teams should do more. Um, any mm-hmm. sort of general philosophies okay. you think that teams should implement, but they're just not doing. Interesting. Um, you know, I I want the the how, how do I explain this without coming off like a complete <laughs> ass? I want the the game to accept that it's that there's more basketball to it 
than it just being a video game. Look, I, I came into this league knowing really nothing about 2K. I, I played GM mode. Like, I just drafted people for 30 years and Same. with the Celtics. Like, Same. that's all I did. And, you know, I come into this league only knowing basketball. I only know the NBA. I don't know 2K. I sit down, I start watching games. I see basketball. It's just the graphics are weird. It doesn't look like real people. But if you remove yourself from the fact that it's a game, there's a lot of basketball to it. Like the, the passing, the lanes, the, the play calling, the defense, like a lot of it is still so entrenched in basketball. And I, I feel like I get so much pushback when, when I try to align things to the way real basketball is. And it, it, it frustrates me. Like th- this isn't Call of Duty where you're making a game off of war and you have no idea what war could ever possibly be based off of Call of Duty. You play 2K, you have a pretty good idea of how basketball is played. Obviously, there's you don't have the physicality of the game. You don't have the a, a lot of different things that come with playing in real life basketball versus 2K, but it's it's still basketball. The terminology is the same. The plays are the same. The formations are the same. But every time I bring that up, I get a lot of pushback on it, and I've, I've never really understood why. Yeah, there's there's kind of like a um, whether people like acknowledge it or not. There is like there are a lot of different ways of thinking. Like, should 2K be as close to real life basketball as possible, or is 2K a video game and it should play like a video game? And That's people's a good point. opinions differ wildly uh, on that. Um, I think players in general, I, I, it's hard to tell sometimes. I think they want it to be more like a video game um, because mm-hmm. today, you know, they want their behind the back moves that, um, you know, stun the opposing defender. They want their lockdown OP, lockdown defender builds and things like that. So it, it's, it kind of, that kind of ties into like a larger conversation another reason why they need the league build in 2k just to create a different competitive environment that that's another thing that i don't understand but i'm not going to get into that because i I don't want to compromise myself too much with 2k i've just never understood why the league build is into the game maybe it's too hard to put it in maybe there's some coding issues maybe it's because it would just be way too large to put in the actual game I'm sure there's there's something that makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, that I just it, don't know, it's one of two things, and and you don't have to respond to this so you don't compromise yourself. It's either like a logistics issue, like they just can't like get it done in time to put in the game, or mm-hmm. it's because the 2K devs suck and they don't care really about the league. So I I want I want to okay. get into that. I want to kind of break it down for people what what goes on in 2k building at least to what i know okay because i think the sentiment that 2k doesn't care about the league is is wrong it's not that they don't care about the league okay 2k is a huge game not just in the amount of people that own it but the amount of content that's actually in it is massive you have my team you have pro-am you have gm you have my leagues like you have all these things you know they're always adding in new stuff constantly updating the game this this and that for the league on the league side, they have a dedicated team for the league. But with so much stuff going on in the actual game, they can't have people on it 24-7. They just can't. Like It's just not realistic. But when, when the league needs them, they get down to it as fast as humanly possible. Like Whenever we have requests for them, they're right there ready to help us. It's just I, – I, I think 
people need to realize that 2K as a an entity is so, so big. And the league is still growing. And I'm not saying that the, the league isn't a priority for 2K. It's definitely a priority. But a company that large and a game that large, it can't be the priority. It just has to be something else they get done. Well, see, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not involved in like the inner workings of the league and, and, you know, their communication with 2K or anything like that. But I've always been. They're, they're always on the phone with them trying to figure stuff out. They always are. Like, it's, it's not like, you know, oh, you know, we're going to write this down in a note card and we'll like figure it out later. The second that the league tells them that there's a problem, they're instantly okay, looking into it. You know, that's and fine. That's th- fine. That's the thing. Like, the combine stuff got fixed in two days. It just seemed like it was a lot longer because people were complaining well, so much. I mean, wouldn't it be better if there was no issue with the combine in the first place? Because there's an issue. That's I a mean, video yeah, game, but man. there's an issue every That's single every year with game. the combine. This hasn't been a one-time thing. I think the other thing you have to realize too is that when they make new games, I know that for for a lot, and this is just from my year, kind of kind of seeing this first person. When you're making a new video game, you know it's different for a League of Legends or a Hearthstone who are creating expansions or new things inside of an already pre-made game. When they're remaking 2K, like when they are going from 2K19 to 2K20, they're starting from absolute scratch, which is usually why you don't see the issues from one game over to another. Every game has its own issues. So it's a video game at the end of the day. There's always going to be bugs. There's always going to be issues. And I think the the sooner that we all accept that that's just what it's going to be, the sooner we can get back to the things around the league that, that like actually are under our control. I mean, sure, but I mean, I, I still think it's worth bringing up because, you know, I, I understand that, like, the, the team, you know, that they have for the league, you know, it's dedicated. They're there on call. Um, I'd assume, though, that it's still possible for 2K to devote more resources towards the league, like hire more people. It, it, it From what it sounds like, it sounds like that the, the team that's working on the league is busy with other things at the same time within 2K. We're all busy uh, yeah, with but... other things. That, 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 that's the part of it. And, and, and look, the, the, more, the longer the league's around, I think the more focus it's going to get. But, you know, for them, I, I also need to, to point this out. When they're making the league build, they, are, they basically have to redesign the entire game. It, it's not just like them creating like another cute little part of it, like Neighborhood. They have to literally recreate 2K from scratch to create that league build to make sure that it works, to make sure that it functions, to make sure that it's less arcadey, to make sure that it feels a little bit more real and professional. So that all of a sudden creates its own bugs on top of it. It's, it's such a long and grueling process. Like it, the, the, it's, it's insane just how much work has to go into the game just for it to work in general and then on top of them fixing the issues it's it, it's just a lot yeah, it really and, is. and you know like even even you know outside of something like that the things you just you brought up before too like 2k being a yearly release and the amount of different content that's in the game where it makes pro-am kind of a niche you know game mode kind of a niche community those are kind of like inherent things with the game of 2K that no one can really fix and that I think go against, mm-hmm. you know, the league. 
Well, and I think that's a big thing. Oh, yeah, yes sorry. and no. And yeah, go yeah. I was on. just going to say, I think that for it, I think you kind of hit it on the head with like the yearly release thing. This is like one of the only professional esports that releases a new game every year, and and you know they expect their professional league to play on it. So again, it's speaking to Harris's point of yeah, there's going to be bugs. There's no way for them to you know. Uh, in in the time frame given, no way for them to to go through and find the bugs every single time, and for it to be perfected every single time. But I also am on the other side too, where it's like, you know, this is the third combine, and you know, they're kind of like the similar issues, and like the whole issue in the finals last year. So I see both sides. So I think I, but I will say I think like the yearly release in comparison to like Overwatch came out in 2015, and they're still playing that same type of game and adding new things, uh, you know, mm-hmm. every six months or whatever. Same with League of Legends, all all these other games where they've been out for years and they still use that same iteration of of the game and and then just add to it. Uh, whereas with 2K, it is yeah, okay, now we have to wait for 2K21. Now we have to wait for 2K22. So I think that's a big issue. Um, but yeah, I mean, it it I get the frustration on. Will's end, but I also see what you're saying as well with the, you know. I, I'm just happy we're not mad. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, I'm just happy we're not Madden. Like, I, I like Madden. I like watching Madden, but like, it, it's an arcade game. It, yeah. It's crazy. And it's, uh, like, it's not realistic at all. It's kind of frustrating watching Madden. You're like, all right, this is just like a straight up, like, yeah. arcade game. This is wild. This is like NBA Jam, but <laughs> and football. it's a game that really hasn't changed at all. Like they're, they're releasing new games uh, every year, and it probably hasn't changed in like three versions. It's still the same style of play and stuff. With two K, you see, I mean, as much as you know, uh, avid players and stuff don't really like it as much with all the changes they're making to the dribbling system and all that. Um, it is showing a, pro- a progressive mindset, and I think that's something um, that it should. Uh, li- it should at least be respected. So, um, but yeah, I mean, all in all, I, you know, I, I get both sides for sure. And I think will for you, the the one thing I, I want you to know for sure, the, every single year that we're in this league, it should yeah, get I, better in, in terms of the, the, the build, the, the structure, the, the game. And look, I wasn't there in season one. But it seemed clear to me, at least, that season two was better than season one from a pretty wider range of of reasons. Hopefully, season three is that much better than season two, and maybe they make a lot of these fixes that we're talking about. You know, I, I think that's why this season's so so huge for the league. I, I yeah, think no, it's going to blow I, people I, away. I completely agree. I, I I think season three is going to be better than season two, which was better than season one. Yeah, Eight builds. Yeah, I mean, there there Eight are always builds. improvements to be made, and and you know that that's kind of why I bring up. 2k is because sometimes it feels frustrating because it feels like that's something that a lot of times there are just so many things that are that are out of the league's hands and yeah uh, you know i truly believe that like the game of 2k is like basically you know one of the biggest challenges to the nba 2k league right when you have like when you have the bugs <laughs> that every single combine there's something wrong and and you know people getting dashboarded and people who can't connect, you know, things like that. Like, it, you know, it builds up. It gets frustrating to have to deal with that every single year. And, and you know, it not much can be said about it because, you know, I know the league doesn't really want players complaining about the game too much. But, you know, when they have to deal with this every single year, you can't blame them. The, the players should not want to be complaining as much about the game as they do. If you're trying to create relationships inside of the game that you're currently playing, stop <laughs> shitting on it publicly, please. 
it's a weird it's a it's a weird look that you're playing a game professionally and you spend half your time on social media ha- talking about how much you hate it. it I, I can't stand it. Please stop. Ab- Please stop. Yeah, Please and there's stop. also avenues I think that they could take that are more professional that you know probably are more impactful. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, I mean, they could easily hit up someone like yourself who maybe has league connects and stuff like that. Like, who do I talk to rather than just going to Twitter and hoping, you know, Ronnie 2K sees it or something? Yeah, like DM me, vent, vent to me. But but going on Twitter, like the day that 2K20 is released, a, a couple months after your first professional season in the league ended and all you're doing is spending release day talking about how much yeah. the game sucks, like it it, it can't help. And you think 2K's happy? You, you think that the, the company that's helping pay your paychecks is looking at you shitting on their game? Like, yeah, that's the guy I want to work with in the future. Definitely want him to come and test out the builds in California. Yeah. No, they're going to pick the guys that are supportive of their game. And guess what? They did. They have 10 guys going out there to test the cool. league build soon. I don't know who they are, but I bet you there are 10 guys who were nice to 2K when the game that's came cool. out. And I bet you that. And I think Put that's, um, that. uh, speaking to the progressive mindset, I was saying, you know, uh, a few minutes ago where, uh, yeah, I do think that the league, uh, in comparison to where it was season one, you know, you're seeing more, um, uh, different variations of archetypes and stuff. Now, uh, they're listening a lot to the players and what they think will work better for the league. I think, yeah, they're, they're, they're integrating a lot of opinion from the, the guys in the league. So I, I, like I said, I think it is progressive. Uh, and then just with what Will was saying from, you know, the consumer standpoint, seeing the technical side of it, it can get frustrating, but, uh, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. But, you know, that's fine. So I think we hit on that here. I had a couple questions for Harris because, um, go right ahead. Yeah. Cause you know, he, earlier you spoke about, yeah, you work for the NBA, uh, and that's, you know, I, I think that's super interesting, right? Cause I, I think with, the NBA, obviously it's, it's bigger. Like it's, it's a lot bigger. They have, you know, their core audience and it took them a while to get there. Uh, and with you dealing with like the social media side of like the 2K league, what is like, do you find anything, um, that the league is kind of missing right now that could kind of bridge that gap between casual NBA viewer and the 2K league? There's the button. I'm sorry. Oh, were you uh, I've been talking <laughs> to literal air. I literally, I was like, why can I not speak? All right. This, this is better. Yeah. Press one button. Um, well, sorry. I said it, Gwen. I was literally yeah. trying no, to so figure I, out why my mic so wasn't working. working with like the NBA <laughs> and like a lot of your background being in like, uh, actual sports, uh, what do you find that there's like something missing or is that something that league could add right now that will help uh, bridge that gap between a casual NBA viewer and the 2K league today? I want to see more in-depth content, man. Like, I want to see more people doing X's and O's breakdowns. I want to see more people showing what makes this game special and, and why there's such an art to it. You know, that that's why people love football, because they can watch on the television and the content creators around it and the broadcasters do such a good job of you know, breaking down plays, showing how defense works, showing how routes work, and you f- you feel like you're you're a part of the sport and you understand how it's going on. And I think for the 2K League, we, we need to see more of that. And it's something that people complain a lot about with the NBA. You know, the that the media coverage around it's a lot of you know trade rumors and and all this stuff. And I would love to see more in depth content with the you know with the league. And it's something I want to do this year. And you know, break down. You know, do do something at like the ten week mark. You know, I would have loved to seen someone online be like, "All right, 
Why did the Bucks start the season as one of the best teams in the league? And then by the end of the league, you know, by the end of the season, their offense sputtered out. You know, why? What, what happened? A big, a big, big, like, what, like, why? Like, do, do an in-depth breakdown on that stuff. Do some video clips. Try to do like a little telestrator action, something. I think, I think we need to do a little bit better of showing what's really underneath the hood, that it's not just a bunch of gamers, you know, clicking a couple buttons, that there's a real artistry and there's a real math to all this. And, and there's a real game planning aspect to it that I, I don't think we've done a good job or, uh, you know, kind of, uh, showing so far from a content perspective, and I, I think well, you'll see yeah, more. And of that I think this year. I, I think that kind of speaks to like w- earlier we talked about like you first getting into the community, and even like today where people are just like, okay, Harris, you just don't play the game, you don't know what's going on, kind of thing, right? Where it's just like rather than just shunning someone away with that opinion, you know, transition that to creating content that can help people who are interested in being interested in the league. Uh, you know, further understand mm-hmm. it because then, yeah, I think that that's kind of how you bridge that gap because yeah, with the NBA, you know, with the, even like the little shows like Kobe's detail and stuff like that, you're able to listen to Kobe say, Hey, this is why I think James Harden played. Exactly. exactly. It's yeah. Good, good example. And I think that type of stuff would be crucial in, in helping uh, someone who watches regular basketball, want to watch his 2K league because, you know, it's like, how do you convince someone like, okay, I'm watching LeBron James. Why am I, why am I ever going to watch someone do it on a video game? Whereas if you, you know, explain mm-hmm. it to them in the, in the instance of, okay, well, this isn't necessarily the same thing. This is different. This is different. Then they're like, oh, okay, now this becomes more interesting for me and makes me want to tune in a little bit more. Uh, so, yeah, I, t- I totally agree with that. For yeah. Sure. And, yeah, it, it, I just think we need to, to show the heart of the league a little bit more. You know, I think we've done a good job showing off personalities. I think we've done a good job showing off skill. Uh, I think the next step is to show off IQ. And I know that that's kind of like a cliche thing to say. Like that's actually the most cliche thing of all time ever said before on a <laughs> podcast, but we, we just need to show IQ more. Like we just need to show the, the smarts behind it, the, the X's and O's behind it. You know, whether people want it or not, you, you got to put that out there to show that there's a real advancement to yeah, the you product. Well, and I think it will help people respect what people are doing more out there, right? At this point, you could just turn it on yeah. and be like, well, hey, I play 2K. I could play in the league. You know, uh, I could play with these guys. Like, what's a skill gap, yeah, Len? The, how, do you, how do you show people there's a skill gap? Like, yeah, how do you do that? In-depth video. You do it through yeah, showing advancement. Yeah. Well, you know, there's a great YouTube series out there called Dimer Playbook. Don't know if anyone's <laughs> seen that. We, we need to do more of those, though. Uh, yeah, we do. You need to we do did, more did of them. Three, did you I do, did like, three. two? <laughs> Yeah. 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 Three. Oh, I, I must like, have missed the third yeah, one. It became kind of hard to do it with our schedules, but um it is hard yeah, to do. And, you it know, is. Josiah obviously difficult. working for a two K league team now <laughs> complicates a lot of things. Yeah, our do. little big shot. Yeah. Look at um, him go. So yeah, I no, I, I agree with you in that like, you know, there there's a a big difference between, you know, having trying to show like the inner workings and like the the step-by-step what is happening in every second of a play. Because, like, a lot of people, they watch 2K, and, like, every play, like, kind of looks the same to them. But, like, there are a lot of small things happening, you know, around the ball that people aren't aware of. And so anyone who can kind of bring attention to that, you know. Well, there was, before 2K20 happened, and everyone's just doing the, the same offense. 
which is a total snooze fest. You missed 2K18 because that was something special. I'll tell you what. If you if you think 2K20 (laughs) offenses are boring, you would have torn your hair out. I just can't. I can't stand it, dude. The behind the back. Here, just go. Dude, it's well, like I'm the sure, same I'm sure offense. You've seen it, it's but the just same don't look offense. at the archives of uh, box scores. <laughs> and oh no, I've I've went back and watched yeah. all of season one. It, it's it's <laughs> yeah. hard, man. It's a yeah. it's a grind. Well, that's it's the thing. Grind. It's like you know, other people have said this before. I, I think famous enough says it all the time. You know, it's a, it's a copycat community. You know, people see one person have success with a particular offense, a particular build, and so they want to do that, and so. If you lose using another offense or another build, you know, people are just like, well, why aren't you using the BP build? Why aren't you just doing five out? You know, things like that. So there's a lot of like kind of peer pressure to everyone funnel in Mm -hmm. on one thing or else people feel like they're being left behind. And and, yeah. Oh well, hopefully they take it out of the out of the game. You but I'm gonna get yelled at either way, so it doesn't matter. I I don't, man. I want to see some creativity on offense. What would you, will like, Len? Actually, it's probably a better question for you because you know you, you play competitively to to a certain level. What would you rather have? Twenty three teams that have twenty three happy point guards who just get to do their behind the back all season long, and that's all it is. It's just a competition of which offense can do behind the back the best? Or would you rather have 23 different teams that have to create different offenses around their extremely different players? I mean, which one would you I'm rather have? I'm always going to go with versatility, right? Like, I think um, that's what makes actual sports interesting, right? Like, even looking at the Super Bowl, you have the best defense versus the best offense. And you know that, you know, Garoppolo's not going to be the same player that Mahomes is, but but that doesn't necessarily mean their offense can't be successful because they, they run the ball really well. Like those type of dynamics are what make this matchup intriguing. And whereas in the 2K league, it's more so, okay, who's going to be better this game, BP or Radiant? Who's going to be better this game? But I and I don't want to say uh, it's 100% that way because I think the team that ended up winning the championship, uh, I think they brought in um, a lot of different strategies. You know, even in the finals, you saw them – uh, do things to take breadwinner out of the play. Uh, you saw them against the, the Warriors, um, you know, do do different things uh, against type uh, in the pick and roll. So, I mean, uh, there are teams that kind of showed it a little bit, but I agree with you. I think, you know, I, and I think someone with your voice, uh, you know, coming in where you didn't have much experience with 2K prior to and coming in and saying, hey, this is what I think would be interesting as a viewer I think that should be um, considered, you know, I think that should be held a little higher than someone who's actually been playing it since 15 and just wants to be good at the game uh, and doesn't want it to change much. I think we should be listening to uh, people that are interested because I think obviously you want to turn those people that are interested into actual fans. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely for variety, but um but I also get, you know, and, obviously I also and, and get like, thing on that. playing competitively. It, like I want my point guard to be able to get open and, uh, you know, play just as good as the other team's point guard. But, yeah, I mean, there, there there's always going to be adjustments. There's always going to be ways around it. Season one wasn't what season two was. Season two is not going to be what season three was. And, uh, you know, that, I think that's what makes a good organization is is who can adapt the best, you know. 
This is also why them not having pure lock builds in the league is going to be awesome. Because, look, you still want 2K to kind of mirror basketball in a little bit of a way. Just, just not. It doesn't have to be the NBA, but you, you kind of want it to mirror it a little bit. And it has so far, you know, superstar point guards, lots of shooting threes, you know, great defensive big man. But can y'all think about NBA rosters for a second? Are there are there a lot of teams out there with six three, six four guards who only play defense and can't shoot There's to one save their own lives? His name's Andre Roberson. Who? You know, like, yeah, these are people. <laughs> Andre Roberson, who uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. now has been played for three I years. I mean, it was Tony Allen, right? Like, they're rare. Uh, and, and yeah, exactly. Tony Allen's gone, man. Like, that's the thing. Yeah. Like, those guys don't exist anymore. If you can't shoot on an NBA court yeah. right now, you're on the bench. Or you're, you know, yeah. you're just no, not playing sure. And then you have the guys who do specialize in defense, but they can hit the shot, too. So you have, like, the Trevor Arizas, you know, Ron Artest even. uh got a jumper later in his career. So, I mean, uh, yeah, no, mm-hmm. I, I agree that I think, you know, in comparison to real life. Yeah. I think, um, when you look at it from that standpoint, um, yeah, it's, it, you, you do want that variety. You don't want just a, a, a player that specializes only in defense. I think the big issue though, it's, as you said, it is that these point guards are so overpowered. They get these moves and stuff like that. And then when they do, um, Score, go for 50 points you obviously want to have something that can counter that right so i think it's just kind of stuck in that middle ground right now where it's like okay we want this for the offense so that they're able to create space and create offense efficiently but we also want to have a position that can counter that um so uh, but yeah i think you know not having the pure is uh i, I i'm totally fine with that I, I do think that there does need to be defensive type builds yeah like Oh, yeah. You can have defensive-minded yeah. play. You can have defense-first players. That's fine. But having these dudes who, like, last year – well, excuse me, this year during the combine, like, Locks had, like, 33 three-point shooting, no quick draw, no shooting badges. And it's like, what are we even doing here? This guy's basically yeah. just a brick out there running around getting in front of people. Like, he's, he's, he's not a basketball <laughs> player. He's a, he's a wall. So y- y- you want people out there who are – who are still playing the you know the virtual sport instead of just being you know there to get in front of somebody, yeah, no, which is kind of what I'm they were like last year. Absolutely for the idea of taking out pure lockdowns because like it's it's like I don't think it's all that healthy, you know, for both competition and for even viewership, which I think um, that change was kind of driven by was like fan feedback or something like that. Um, but like, I don't think it's all that healthy to know that in every single game you're going to go into, you're going to see a pure lockdown on the floor. And even like, that's not even just for that. And like, and this was the thing we were talking about earlier where everyone's doing the same thing. You're going to see the, you know, um, the, uh, uh, the play sharp. You're going to see the, the rim protector, uh, sharp shooting build at the power forward. You're going to see a pure sharp. Like, it's just like I don't think that's healthy for anything, and like I know you know player um, feedback should definitely be taken into consideration, obviously. But the players are very biased about what they want to see out there on the court. They want yeah. to see the things that benefit them the most, and the things that benefit players the most aren't always in line with things that would benefit the league the most. If if you know that makes sense. So 
I'd be all for, you know, trying, and I think the League should be trying, and I think eight different archetypes is a step in that right direction, of trying to diversify the meta as much as they can, so that you're not just seeing the same six archetypes game in and game out every single game of the 2K League. Well, and yeah. Yeah, and that was so kind I of. I was just going to hit on yeah, the point ahead, of, yeah, I think it is progressive in, in the sense that they are adding more archetypes. There is eight, but as we saw in the combine, there's just some that just never should be an option to be picked, like the slasher at the one. That type of stuff's never going to be used. Is that, like the slasher at the one is essentially what the pure lockdown is at the two, where it's like a build that's just kind of like there to dunk the ball and, and who knows what else. Like it is, at, you know, it is nice to think, oh, okay, we would like to have a Rage on Rondo type. We would like to have a Ben Simmons type. But just with how, you know, how, how the game is, none of those teams are ever going to pick these archetypes. So I think instead of putting in those type of archetypes that are never going to be selected, uh, create different variations around, around, um, play styles that, that you understand will get picked. So again, like, yeah, have a defensive specialized build that also can shoot the three, have one that shoots the three a little bit better, plays, plays defense a little bit worse, you know, all these type of things where, um, you know, you can actually see teams picking different builds rather than them all saying, okay, well, this one can shoot and can play defense. This is the one I'm going to pick. This one can shoot and dunk the ball. This is the one I'm going to pick, you know. You you mentioned, uh, you asked me before, like, what's another, like, what are some advancements yeah. I want to see with the league? Um, I think during the next CBA, I want to see the ability to just name an NBA player when talking about a build. Because I think that would really help gain more NBA fans where you're like, hey, this builds oh, like sure. the Kemba Walker build or this builds the Ben Simmons build. This is the Rudy Gobert build. And like you can explain it to people. It's like, oh, this plays like Rudy Gobert. He's really tall. He's really good at blocking shots and setting screens. He can't shoot for the Dickens, but you're not going to get anything yeah, past sure. him on the, you know, at the rim. Perfect. I've all of a sudden easily explained how this works in the spectrum of basketball. So. I think that's something something else that they need yeah, to, that's yeah, they they add to the league. Makes next a year. lot of things very tricky with what the league can and can't do. So I I don't really know too much about the CBA. I just know that the NBA likeness is a little weird and also that I can't retweet sponsored huh. content from teams. That's all I really know. <laughs> huh. So I I, 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 I buy the second rule. Interesting. Yeah, but like it, it like prevents a lot of like, you know, like kind of cross promotional opportunities between you know, the NBA franchises and their 2K League affiliate, which is probably one of the most unfortunate things about it all. Talk about trying to get the casual NBA fan as a fan of the NBA 2K League. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not too, too familiar. Like, I have, I have friends on the team side of things, but I'm I'm not too familiar with what their restrictions are in terms of, like, what they can and cannot do with their teams. I know that they've hit a, hit a couple uh, guardrails with certain things, but I've never heard of somebody getting in trouble for trying stuff, but I, I, yeah. I'm not really yeah, sure. Yeah. Cause the, sometimes the you'll see a tweet or, you know, you know, they get to be seen at the arenas and stuff like that. So it is, yeah, I'm not sure the exact rules. I know there is, you know, something there, but yeah. The Kevin oh, Durant yeah. tweet was really cool the other day when he was doing that like ask boardroom thing and the next GC asked him about, you know, do you like the 2K League? Would you come to the game? And, you know, <laughs> he said yes. And everyone freaked out and quote tweeted it. Like, oh my God, KD. Like, that, that, that kind of stuff's really cool. You know, you, you, you want that, that level of not- notoriety, yeah. especially for such yeah. a young league. And that, that also needs to be stressed. I'm going to go on a small tangent. 
Dude, we're going into season three of this. Like, we haven't even broken the surface of what this league could possibly be. They just added their first ever international market. In three more seasons, we could be on five continents. Like, it, 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 it really is insane the potential that this league has. And we're, we're so, so early on in it. That's what's so exciting about this too. Like season one, when the league was announced, season one was so quick after it was like six months or something after it. So math wise, it's really barely been over two years since the league has really started. Like that, that's just wild to me that there's so much more to do and there's so much more to explore with all this. It it, it really is exciting. Like you said, you know, the potential, there there are things that are, Get me in season three that we can't even imagine right now, like what the league is going to look like by that can't point. Wait. So it is, it is certainly going to be very exciting. Um, Harris, do you want to, do you want to do any sort of like, you know, like give me some, some takes about like actual teams or? <laughs> okay. Uh, I'll give you positive takes okay, if you want that's them. Fine. I, I'm not a big negative. I don't like negative takes, man. Negative making negative takes about people or players when we're only two seasons in feels so really disingenuous to me because they've only played. Think about it. Like think about it. To say that somebody like Slay Island is bad is wild. He he's played like yeah 20 games in the league. That's it. One of the best 2K players in the community has played 20 league games and he already has this title that he sucks. Like, I, I can't do that. I did the same thing with NFL rookies, NBA rookies. If you're telling me that somebody sucks before they've played 20 games at something, what are we doing at that point? Like, at that point, you're just you're just hoping to yeah, make takes for the sake of it. So I, I like positive where, takes. Where people I – don't, I don't think we've ever come out and straight up said someone sucks. Or shouldn't be in the league, but um, no, you guys. Yeah, have that's it. definitely a community thing that happens all the time. Well, if you want to be positive, then I, I'm curious about your thoughts about this past off season. Uh, we've had an expansion draft so far. We've had a very eventful trade window. Um, we've had some head coaching signings. So taking all that in consideration, who are some teams who? You think won the off season, or you just really liked what they've done so far? I think you you have to start with the Grizz because they they made this was their off season, and it's weird that people aren't giving them as much attention as they should because they're going into season three with arguably the best trio in the league. And nobody's really talking about it. I think I look, I know that Goofy kind of struggled last year. That Knicks gaming team just, you know, didn't really gel. But I mean, you look at Goofy on paper, he was still one of the three best centers in the entire league and one of the 10 best players in the entire league. And now he's going to a team with authentic African who's now going to be the secondary ball handler and Vandy. D doubles there too. And Lang, one of the best basketball minds in the, in the entire league is getting another, like another season at this. It's insane. They have so much potential next year. Like that, that goofy trade, that, that's a championship kind of move. That, that's a move that you make if you want to win a title. I, I love that. Yeah, I thought that the goofy was move like, was the biggest thing that happened this like, offseason. That's really the most like anything has been given up for one player so far. Like they, they gave up. They gave up two first round picks if oh, I'm yeah. not mistaken. They give up they give up their next 
first round pick as well. It it was the first player to get traded that yeah. of that caliber without a trade request. First time. And it was executed beautifully, and he is now going to the absolute perfect team. I could I don't think there's a more perfect team and yeah. roster for Goofy to go to than Memphis. I, I can't wait. They, they I don't want to say they won the offseason, yeah, but that was like I the think they definitely that they made the biggest to move. make because like because like you know they've come up so like, awesome. They haven't really gotten a lot of credit for like how they've played in regular seasons because they always like start off really slow. Like obviously season one they had like a lot of off the court issues, so they started out slow, but then they really came on at the end, and then. Season two, you know, Vandy took some time to kind of settle in, as a lot of other rookie point guards did. And mm-hmm. they finished, what, nine and seven, I believe. And, and very, very, I think they were the, so close to the I think playoffs. they were the first run. team out. Oh, even. what a run. Um, mm-hmm. They were, and they were absolutely on fire, which is why the Warriors being the eight seed was so huge because the Grizz yeah. were just, oh, they're so one thing you, Like They would have made the you playoffs. Could do to, Get over the hump. It's trade for Goofy, who has been tearing it up this offseason in pro am. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that that was a big move. The Grizz are going to be very scary. We'll we'll see how the draft shakes out because the draft changes a mm-hmm. lot of things, obviously. But yeah, you're right. Like as things stand right now, like they're they're up there. Well, I. So the, the I'll, oh, I'll give you two I just wanted to also, talk to the, just hit on the point that you guys said that he uh, that the Grizz had to give up the most for for anybody. Uh, you know, I love some. You know, I I think that the uh, I think the Hawks had to give up quite a lot for BP. You know, I loved shots. He's a, you know, well, a really good I mean, to we me, were so talking I, like only picks for one player. Oh, okay, he was the yeah. only player involved in that trade. Obviously, yeah, yeah like you and know, then just trade picks. Yeah, the the Hawks mm-hmm. yeah. trade is like, looks crazy think, like too. the craziest trade we've had. Well, okay, go go right ahead. That's go funny because right that Sorry, was that was my it. second one. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say it, it's the Kings, man. I, I know. Look, the Hawks got BP. Great. Uh, we we cannot make a determination of what the Hawks offseason is until we see their draft because they're gonna have to build their entire team around BP and how well they execute that will say their whole offseason. But the Kings, yes. But but the Kings, man. Uh there has never been a team in the league going into it with as many high valued assets as them. The number three pick, uh, the what is it? The number sixteen pick, the number twenty three pick, already having three guys who are established, above average to elite players. <laughs> like they they could. They could in the draft get like Duck, can't guard Rob, and like the best six man of all time. And all of a sudden they're going into league with maybe the most stacked top six any team has gone into a season with so far. Like for what they could have done with trading BP, they did the absolute most and then they did some more. Like I, I can't believe where they are currently standing going into season three. It, it's, it yeah, really is insane like, in, in the uh, spectrum of the team. Like getting shots. And the third overall pick, uh, you know, obviously BP is a great player, um, and and you know, I like, I understand it from the side of the Hawks, but you know, they're kind of trading away that third overall pick. They're kind of punting this season, I think, um, 
you know, having to, I, I, I don't, I don't see them doing well, much in season three. The, the, they would I, need like a I said, lot it, of steals. It, it and all depends on their draft. To... Like if, if, well, yeah, and and but but remember, it's like I've said during both mock drafts, they're not trying to build an sure. over two K team. Yeah. They're trying to build the perfect BP team. They're basically trying to be the Rockets of the league, which is cool. They're they're trying to be like the like basically make BP James Harden and fill the rest of the roster with guys who can fit on a court with James Harden. It, it's going to be really exciting. So, and I think see. it's you know. Well, yeah, because, you know, people say it's a point guard league and they struggled mightily trying to find one last year. So I think they were tired of like, you know, trying to put STL there, trying to put Rando there. And they were just like, hey, man, if this is what it's going to cost, shots isn't really happy here. Let's, you know, let's let's pull the trigger and let's do this. So, I mean, I, I kind of get what they are doing with that. I get why they did it because they want a point guard. But it is just a lot, man. It's a lot to give up. Yes, and and the Kings are are in such a good spot. I'm so excited. Another reason I'm excited about the Kings, they they have the most underrated coach in the league. Yeah. Why don't more don't people know. talk about DJ Layton? Why why don't more people talk about him? The Kings were a disaster season one. He comes in, he instantly writes the ship. He puts together one of the best defenses in the entire 2K league. They win like ten games in a row, and he gets like he got he got no love for Coach of the Year. I was blown away. Sure, the team kind of you know poo-pooed down the stretch a little bit. I think that might have been a little in, internal uh, tug-of-war there, but do you, you give DJ Layton the number three overall pick, three of the best 30 players in the entire league, and then another first-round <laughs> pick, and then another pick at the top of the second round? That team's going to be stacked, man. Like, yeah, I, I'm pumped I think to see like what DJ the, does the kind of lack I'm a big of recognition. Fan of he's, he's a very low-key kind of guy. Like He's not on, he's not on Twitter all the time he you know, is. talking about his own team. He just kind of he just kind of goes about his business, right? Which, which I think has a little bit to do with it. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you, you that draft they put together last year was uh, incredible in hindsight, and um, BP obviously played super well, and uh, it, which is why I understand a little bit from the Hawk side. You know, you're getting a player of BP's caliber. He was he was an MVP finalist, so um, and and point guard is very important, but. <laughs> The the Kings, man, um, that's going to be a good team. It, it's very hard. It's going to be very hard to mess up the situation that they're in. Yeah, they control the draft. They they control the entire draft, man. It it's really yeah. they're in such a power power spot, and they know it. And and it's it's really really cool to see. Uh, yeah, I'm 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 excited for them. It, it's we haven't even seen the best team yet, man. Like th- th- that's another thing I don't think the league understands. He, you know, coming into the 2K league, I actually kind of knew who he was for whatever reason. Like I, I knew who he was. I'd seen him play 2K before. He was like one of the only guys that play. I've watched 2K, and every single time I watch him when it's not in the league, and it's been a couple times, he's been incredible. Like one of the best sharps I've ever seen. And then season one, it doesn't work out with the Mavs. Season two, I mean, Len, how many games did were where like he didn't even touch the ball? Yeah. Four, well, five games were like, and I think that's big. Like two with shots, the number three pick right nuts. now. They can go get a point guard that better suits his play style too, and could play off him. So, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, it, just draft duck, man. Yeah, <laughs> just, just draft yeah. duck the three. Just Kings, just yeah. take duck, take duck, just take it and run away. Just take duck. It's so easy. Just run it to the podium, <laughs> yeah. say duck, and run away, and you're yeah. set. Just do it, please. I remember. Um, I need it. 
when we first got news that this was potentially a, a deal that was going to get pushed through. And uh, we were kind of talking about it amongst ourselves and just like, dude, this is crazy. Like to, yeah, we, we get that BP is a great player, but you know, to be able to get a top three pick and shots who, you know, people saw how much of a game changer he could be when he got on the post score um, and how good he was in Portland too. So uh, yeah, I mean, if they, if they get this draft right, which it's hard not to, with with where they're positioned um yeah kings could be a super contender for sure yeah so you you had a third team i think harris that you really like their offseason i did i did have a third team so uh we had we had the grizz first we had the Kings second and then this is this is a a really personal one just because it's gotta be the blazers it really does, you know, coming into the off season, you know, if if you're Blazer 5 gaming and you're kind of making a list of the things that you want to kind of fix with your team and you want to get organized, it's like, all right, well, the number one thing we need to do is take pressure off Mama, both on the court and off. Uh, we need to find a sharp that he trusts that has league success. And we need to make sure that whatever coach we bring in is going to gain the a level of you know, basketball respect from two guys on the team, Lavish Phenom and Walnut, who play basketball in real life and play the game from a very, you know, basketball high IQ kind of standpoint. So with that list of things, they nailed every single one of them. A plus, A plus, A plus, A plus, like take pressure off mama on and off the court. All right, on the court, we're going to get him literally his best friend who was they were such a lethal combo they had a nickname Eminem they were so damn good he they're now back together all right off the court let's go get a coach let's go get a former D1 basketball player that was playing basketball that was a starting point guard playing internationally overseas perfect he knows basketball he can relay his experiences with both Lavish Phenom and with Walnut so you have a guy who commands respect a guy who can take pressure off mama on the court uh, in or off the court in their coach and on the court as well in majestic now they're sitting in a beautiful spot with a, a pick in the, what is it, the um, late second round they have a pick, or is it third say, round? I want to say third. I want to say third. I'm trying to think. It, uh, either way, so now they're sitting pretty with one open spot, a, a stacked draft pool in terms of its overall depth. They can get a, a great player towards the end of the second or third round, whichever one their pick is. I'm kind of blanking on it. Like we saw last night in the mock draft, they got Profusion. In the Nets mock draft, they got UC Manny. Like they're going to have their pick of the litter to fill out that star, uh, that starting five. And then the bench position at that point is probably just going to be kind of an, you know, either an assistant coach or somebody they can develop over the course of the season. So for me, I think Blazer five and props to Cameron. He identified the issues that they had. He instantly identified guys that he wanted to go after. And he went after them and got them all. Um, and I, we just haven't seen the best Majestic yet. Len, you probably know more about him than I do, but from what everybody tells me about Majestic, he was literally the best, one of the best sharps in 2K before he got drafted by Heat Check. And then he goes from being one of the best sharps in the, you know, going into the league to all of a sudden being one of its most fascinating players. One of the only players to have played all five positions so far in the league. One of the only guys that has shown an ability to score at all five positions in the league. It's such a rare player for them to get, and now they get to pair him with Mama, his buddy. Like it's such a perfect fit. I'm I'm really excited to see how Blazer Five comes into this season because, you know, the pressure's on. They've choked. 
They've struggled. They were a one-dimensional team last year with the pick and roll. And once that pick and roll got shut down, they were nothing. So I, I think they did an incredible job of identifying the fixes that need to be made. And, and they, they knocked Majestic, them all Because the that was kind of a move that like, it, like <laughs> I sometimes myself forget that it even happened because I have never heard somebody so confident in another person than Mama was when we were interviewing yeah. him for the league website as he was in Majestic. I, I've never heard anything like that before. It was like he was literally talking about a twin brother. Like it, it, he's so absurdly confident that this is the right guy that's going to yeah. unlock their offense. Yeah, I, I mean, can't with wait. Him, it's like, be awesome. So season one, the issue was like players qualified at, in a certain position in the combine, and then they were forced to play you know, or forced to be drafted at that position for a team. So uh, it's kind of why he, he slipped a little bit because people knew him as a big name. But um, so he failed a heat check uh, and uh, they picked him to be their point guard. And although, you know, he is a versatile player, I think that he does specialize better and like, shooting positions like he played really well on the stretch i think now we'll see him play really well on the sharp so um yeah i think him being able to go to a situation in which he doesn't have to be that primary ball handler uh and he has great chemistry with that player and that player just so happens to be uh the reigning mvp yeah i I don't know how else you would um or what other scenario you'd want to find yourself in. So, yeah, I, I think, I mean, I agree with you. I think that they're in a great spot. I was actually muted. I I, uh, I was trying to uh, tell you that um, they have the 40th overall pick. So late Ooh. second. Yeah. Yeah. Second round. Oh, man. It's nasty. It's so na- They're in such a great spot. Like think of, think of the people they could get. I, I don't think they're going to waste their time with a rookie. I think they're, I think they're dead set on trying to get like a real like riddled veteran like a real like two season guy like you like i mentioned uc manny during the mock draft like i love that fit like a defensive minded guy great culture dude not going to cause any problems you know he's going to take his orders and follow them to a t i like just that kind of guy like imagine if idris falls to the blazers yeah. like my goodness they, they, I, the I opportunities are endless who it is but i'm, I'm gonna keep it under wraps oh, wow i just i just i just i, I do agree oh, i think it, huh no, I think it'll is be it someone who's, who's seasoned. Yeah, I think it's a is seasoned it a rookie? player. Okay, it's a um, okay. And he's another player like Majestic who kind of hasn't found himself in the in in the most favorable spots, but he he gets along really well with these guys. So we'll see. Um, yeah, I mean the Blazers they're in a good spot, and you know to plug your show, I um, esports sports show, man, that that it's great. I was listening to the interview with. Uh, their new coach Skeezus, and I was uh, I was extremely impressed, man. Yeah, I even brought him up. <laughs> He knows his stuff. He like, and it's so interesting. It's just another basketball guy. Like he's another basketball guy who loves 2K, who's coming into the league with a fresh perspective. That's what they need too. Like it's so hard for, it's been so hard for them the past two years to get out of their own bubble and realize what was wrong with them. Now they have someone coming in, the freshest of fresh possible eyes that you could have coming in to fix what's wrong with them. It's yeah, a, no, it was a perfect I, I, I hire. I completely agree with that with hire because hire. like, it, like, you could not bring anyone in from the 2K community who could tell Walnut or Mama anything that they did no. not know about NBA 2K. Like, yeah. Mama would eat him alive, exactly. Like, they yeah. couldn't, like, Dirk was a rumor for that job. Dirk yeah, couldn't like, do that like, job. There, there Mama would have eaten, eaten him alive by week six. Have, like, been able to tell them anything that they wouldn't know. You have the two MVPs in league history on the same yeah. team. So, yeah. 
And, and that's nothing against Dirk. Yeah, it's just, and, and you know, there's like, a reason. Mama, Mama was a dog. Was, Mama you know, was literally was seen as like not just a great player, but he was also the leader and the coach of the team because you know he's he's just that smart. He's just that good. Um, and so bringing in a guy, you know, who can say like you said, bring in like a fresh pair of eyes and be like, okay, you know, if the pick and roll isn't working, we can try some of these things. You know, a guy who is experienced in professional basketball who knows where the players' heads are at in every single situation and can say, okay, here's how we get out of this rut. Here is how we're going to come back. This is where your head should be. You know, you know, shake it off, do whatever. You know, that is exactly the perfect kind of hire that they needed to make. And so, yeah, I, I, I really love that hire for them. And, uh, you know, with, with like, um, you know, teams have brought in like kind of more basketball minded guys before you think like Tommy Abdenauer with the, uh, with the Warriors, obviously has a college job now. Um, Austin Peterson with the Cavs, you know, sometimes it takes a little bit for them to like kind of, uh, get used to 2K and how it differs, but like what better team to, to make that transition than Blazer freaking five, right? Like, they're going to be good either way, no matter what you do as a coach. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of sit back, absorb their knowledge on the game, yeah, and you know, uh, more easily integrate yourself into what needs to be done. So yeah, I, I think it's it's basically the perfect hire for them. So those are the three teams that like really stood out to me. But I want to stress this that. I think every team killed this offseason. Both expansion teams did really well. You know, the Genji getting turn up, the great logo reveal, the name reveal. They they have a ton of picks. Uh Hornets Venom GT are are stacked. You know, type the three first round picks, they're ready to go. Every team besides two of them besides had really two. good offseasons. And I'm not gonna say those two of them because I'm trying to keep it positive, but 21 of the 23 okay. teams had really good okay. offseasons, and that's um, all I'll say. I, I'm not I'm not Okay. Okay. I, 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 I'll tell you guys. I think later. I might have one in mind. <laughs> I'll keep I'm that one sure. off the record. Oh, yeah. I was gonna say ours probably aligned because I have two that yeah. I wasn't really impressed with either. So. Uh, uh, this is all. Say one of them made a move that they shouldn't huh. have, and the okay. other one didn't make all enough right. moves. <laughs> give, That's give all. Something that you sounds want. familiar. Yeah. All right. Um, Len, did you have any other questions for Harris? No, I, uh, yeah, we've no, gone no. a good long I, while. I, so, um, yeah, I think it's about time to wrap it up. Um, a, a, yeah, a big thank you to Harris for coming on the pod. This has been a really good conversation. I've had a really fun time and, uh, glad we done this, man. Um, we kind of talked about it. And so Me too. glad to finally get it done. Um, Yeah, we, we got to do the home and home. I got to have, uh, the Dimer crew, uh, over on my, my side of things. We'll do, we'll do a big content jamboree and maybe, uh, you know, come up with some fun Absolutely. content ideas on the fly Absolutely. about, uh, what would be I great like for that. season three. Do a All little right. live brainstorming. I think it'd be fun. That'd be fun. Just so people, like, I've always wanted to kind of show people, like, what, what are the creative processes behind creating content like that? So, you know, we, we've got Absolutely. five killers over there um, for you guys. So yeah, Dimer, so um, we, we can do something. Follow. Fun with it. Harris on Twitter. Um, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably already do follow Harris on Twitter, but, uh, it is Sportsteen. Um, you can follow <laughs> us. I'm at Will Beverina. And then, uh, Len, what's your Twitter? 
uh, at Len yeah, underscore there it 2K. Is. Follow Dimer at Dimer2K. <laughs> but as always, if you're listening to this podcast and you don't follow Dimer, then what are you doing? Um, thank you again, guys, for listening. Thank you again to Harris for coming <laughs> on. We really appreciate it. And uh, we will catch you guys next time. Thank you again to Harris for coming on. We really